This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Life is full of delicious moments. Like when a big table of friends feels like a big table of family. Or when the meal you made and shared brings in all the likes on your feed. That's why Carando offers premium meatballs, delicious, savored meatballs made with real Italian flavors to help you savor the big and small moments that make life so good. Carando. Life is delicious. Savor it. For recipes and more, visit carando.com. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're doing something a little bit different today. We're going to talk about uh, an important metric in football, and we want to have a series of these shows. So we're looking for people who would like to talk about a specific metric that they think is important within some context in football. We have a great one today. It's points per drive. Uh, you heard me talk about it in the show before, but Brandon Croxton is on to join me to talk about this. Brandon, how you doing? Hey, Ken, I'm doing great. Love to talk uh, football with you, and I'm excited to talk more about it. All right. So this is a good one. And, and uh, uh, you know, part of the offseason content is just trying to direct people to, uh, you know, sources for football information and uh, points per drive. It can generally be calculated from first principles by anybody, of course, but it's generally available on the Football Outsiders website has good metrics for points per drive. So I do recommend that to people. This is behind their paywall. So you pay, what is it, five, six dollars a month for for this, roughly? Yes. Yeah, yeah, about that. Yeah. yeah. You can and, also have uh, yearly subscription as well. All right. So anyway, we, we, we don't need to sell their service too much, but we want to talk a little bit about points per drive. It's been one of the really special metrics for the Roman era in a little bit. Why don't you take Take us through that a little bit. Yeah, so um, points per drive is, I think, a very good um, macro look at uh, how efficient an offense is performing um, because really the purpose of an offense is to score points. And um, this shows you about how many points they every time they line up for a new uh, drive. Um, how efficient they are at moving down the field and scoring points. Um, it's a very, like I said, it's a very macro level um, statistic and it gives you a good idea of how efficient a team is. Um, generally, you know, the best teams score a lot of points per drive. Um, the very best offenses will get over that uh, three, even three, uh, three points per drive uh, threshold and um believe that the league average is about two points per drive over the last several years so um that gives you kind of an idea of how good an offense is now, now i know the answer to this question but i want to hear yours to it too is why wouldn't i just look at points as opposed to points per drive well because um points can be scored based off of 
defensive scores, turnovers, special teams. Um, and it's not necessarily just, um, you know, what an offense is doing. This is a strictly what an offense is doing, not as an entire team, uh, how an entire team performs at scoring points. Now, that's a good point. And I, I really had kind of forgotten that point about the about d- the defense can special teams can score some points. So we're, we're separating out the offensive component. But I've got another reason, too, is that it relates it to the number of opportunities and the opportunities for both teams are very close in the bulk of games. So the number of total drives for drives against will be very similar for an entire season between you and your opponent. Now, there are exceptions because you don't have a drive if you have a pick six or you're trying to kick for a touchdown and you can get out of sync and then you can be off by one, sometimes even two uh, during a game because a team has more drives, usually only one because there's a kickoff at the beginning of each half. But very closely teams are synced up in terms of opportunities given in terms of drive and opportunities had. So that points per drive number ends up being more significant than points because you can, you can play a game of football at vastly different paces. So if you go back to the early 2000s and the Ravens as being a defensive powerhouse with very little offense, there were a lot more drives for both teams in those games. And so looking at points per drive, yeah, the Ravens are very good at that, but they, they needed also to, to look at their offense. And, uh, and, and they had a lot of opportunities as well and didn't do very well on those. So you really need to look at both sides um, to, to, to look at points per drive is the statistic that filters out the noise in terms of the differences in opportunities that might exist. Yeah, great point. Great point. All right. So it's it's out there. It's been available for, for years. Like, to Talk to me a little bit about maybe what conclusions you could draw or the recent Ravens teams, whatever you'd like to talk about. Sure. So um, I kind of took a look um, going back to 2014. Um, 2014 is when um, the NFL kind of re-reinforced um, the illegal contact rules. Um, so it made offenses have that much more be of an advantage over the defense. Um, contact down the field was called a lot more closely. So defenses had to change the way they uh, they played. So. Um, you can kind of consider 2014 to present as kind of a new era of offensive football. Um, and you can really see a, a statistic spike in quarterback um, quarterback uh, stats, passing yards, touchdowns, all of that um, resulting from, uh, from the new rule change. So going back to 2014, um, the Ravens, um, these last four years have really been um, one of the top offenses in the league. Um, They average over these last four years, they've averaged about 2.43 yards per drive. Um, And that's right. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Points per drive. Um, And um, that really ranks as, you know, one of the top offenses over, over a four year span. Um, I went back and looked at um, a couple of Green Bay offenses. So Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers from 2014 to 2017 averaged 2.27 yards per drive. And even the more recent 2019 to 2022, they've averaged 2.54 yards per drive. So slightly better than the Ravens. But, you know, and you consider Aaron Rodgers won two MVPs um, Mm -hmm. over that four year span. 
Um, New England with Brady um, from 2014 to 2017, average 2.54. Um, New England from 2016 to 2019, the last few years that uh, Brady was there, is 2.38. Um, New, New Orleans with Drew Brees, average 2.41. So we, we we notice uh, there's been a lot of the top quarterbacks tend to have very efficient offenses they've been to. And one of the interesting things about the last four years with Jackson is there's a kind of a night and day uh, set of points per drive numbers. And I, I, I know this by, you know, feeling it play out, but I don't have the exact number in terms of differences between when Huntley is playing and when Lamar is playing. But when Lamar is playing, the Ravens offense is extraordinarily efficient in, in all uh, per drive metrics, whether you're talking points, yards, whatever it might be, um, first down percentages is a is a very big one too. That's over there. The offensive success rate, um, if you it, it gives you the percentage chance of getting a first down anytime you're granted a new set of down. Sorry, first down or a touchdown uh, is a success. If you if you have to if you if you get to fourth down, either punt, kick the ball, or turn it over on downs, then then you uh, you 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 have a loss in that category on that particular set of downs. Right, yeah. I think also, you also want to look at another big factor for the Ravens is for about two full years, um, Ronnie Stanley has been out of the lineup mm -hmm. and left tackle is an extremely important position. I'd probably consider it the second most important position behind quarterback. And you have an all pro left tackle that's missing from your lineup um, that the Ravens have, you know, Law, you know, had to shuffle pretty mediocre left tackles in and out. Yeah, over those last two years, that Stanley's been out, and that's been a big reason for the offensive falters as well. Right, could completely agree. And and if you look at at the nineteen to twenty differences, I think you see it in the second half of the season. And if you look at the uh, twenty to twenty one difference, you see another big dive in points per drive, even before Lamar got hurt. Um, that's good, but. I, I want to get back to the meaningfulness of points per drive because the, the, the points per drive is the basis of another big statistic that a lot of people use without really knowing what it is. And that's AV from pro football reference. So it's, it's used often as a metric for career value and it's a, it's AV it's approximate value is what they're trying to get at. So they want to come up with a, what is a high level measure that we can use that tells us in a very general sense, how much this player is worth in a given season. And it starts with points per drive. So if you're if you're an offensive lineman, it says how much were the points per drive you had? How much were the league average in points per drive? Okay, your team was worth 150 percent of the points in a in in a given year. And then it it automatically starts the offensive lineman and says, well, you have five of the eleven starters, so you get 45 percent of the total value allocated to your players. So it's a very rough, high level approximation. But the thing it's using at the base for its value is points per drive, which, by the way is completely the right metric to be to be using for that. So it really makes a lot of um, theoretical sense in, 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 from that standpoint. I have other issues with AV. It's for another show that, that, that we would talk about that. But, uh, you know, I, I think one of the things we maybe kind of want to come back to is Greg Roman got a ton of criticism in this town for running an offense that was remarkably efficient. Yes. Um, yeah, exactly. Like the Ravens ranked right up there with the best offenses in the league. And, you know, you consider Stanley was out for 
two full seasons. You had Lamar missing a significant portion of the last couple of years. Um, and you also consider the lack of spending and the lack of talent at wide receiver position. Um, those were kind of all things working against him. And it, it wasn't by design that he didn't have good receivers. So, it, you know, like I'm sure he would love to have had an Odell Beckham or a healthy uh, Rashad Bateman or, you know, somebody really good on the outside to, you know, open up the offense even more. And it, the Ravens just kind of failed to find that guy or keep that guy healthy in Bateman's, in Bateman's case. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is. It's he's often criticized, but the thing I say is unless you really want to point to Kubiak's single year in 2014, where Kubiak was quite good, there hasn't been another offensive coordinator nearly as good in Ravens history, not nearly as good. They they went, obviously they went through a bunch of, bunch of different people, but Roman was kind of perfect in a lot of ways for maximizing the value of Lamar. It was a hyper Lamar focused offense that spread the defense horizontally along the line of scrimmage extremely well with Roman's concepts, meaning that they had to really give space in the middle of the field to get that defended. The things I'm hearing from Monken sound good. How do you think that's going to play out now in 2023 uh, with Monken attacking the field with the weapons he has? Do you think he'll be able to maximize Lamar the way Roman did? I sure hope so. I'll, I'll tell you that. Um, I'm, I too am excited about um, the offense, but I'm, I'm, I'm more excited about the talent that, the, that they have around Lamar more so than what Munkin may or may not do as far as um, schematic changes. I mean, he, he, he now has a healthy JK and Gus, Gus Edwards in the backfield. You have a healthy Odell Beckham. You have Bateman who's healthy. You have Zay Flowers who you just drafted and you have Andrews and Likely as you know really good tight ends as well i think likely it's going to be a really good tight end as well like the talent around lamar is the, I, I think probably the best possible potentially the best in raven's history not even just in the lamar era like i i can't think of you know more talented receiver core and running back core other than maybe 2010, 2011 with Flacco, and they had uh, Bolden and Tory and uh, Derek Mason back then. Yeah, that, that's a good. That's a it'd be a good question to really go through that in terms of of who are the best. For for my money, the 2009 Ravens offense, and they didn't have Lamar, so right there you're in a deep hole trying to dig your way out of that. Mm-hmm. By far the best Ravens offensive line ever. The 2008 is the really close one, and then after that, I think it's 2019. And we kind of forget that Yonda's only year, well, only full year getting to play with Lamar was 2019. The offensive line is is not as good as it was then. But you look back to 2009, that offensive line going across from left to right. Jared Gaither, who a lot of people didn't like for his work ethic for certain, he was one hell of a left tackle for the two years he really decided he wanted to play football. And then he jumped in a well or something and said, I have no regrets about his you know, <laughs> career and whatnot in terms of what he did. Um, then, at, then at left guard, they had Ben Grubbs, who was a, a, a fine player, mistakenly thought to be a better player than Yonda by Preston, who c- continues for some reason to wave that flag today. Um, but anyway, there's that. Matt Burke at center was outstanding. In fact, in terms of offensive line grading, 
uh, he's the player who kind of broke my system. So I had to change the grading system at center to reduce the, the requirement for having an A several times because Burke was so technically sound in terms of not missing blocks that that uh, that he'd had a great uh, run of time. And then, of course, they had Yonda at right guard. And at right tackle in 2008, they had a great player. They had Willie Anderson, who really he was at the end of his career, kind of an elephant in terms of his movement, very effective right tackle. I think probably every bit as good as Moses is today. So, you know, it's a, it, that's a, that's certainly a solid player. And then in, of course in, in 09, um, they got Michael Orr and he would, he would have been fine if he just stayed at right tackle might've had a, a near hall of fame career. And then his agent or himself or his ego or whatever got in the way. And he wanted to move left, right, left, right. And completely messed it up. Yeah. The, that was unfortunate about Michael Orr. I've, I still give him a lot of credit, though, because I think him moving left to right when the Ravens needed him, especially in the 2012 season, I think yeah. was it was very huge. That allowed McKinney to get back into the lineup and him going to right tackle, and they went on that big Super Bowl run because they they literally upgraded to offensive line positions instantly right there. Yeah. Yeah, they they did, and 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 Osemele went to left guard, and he was fantastic during that playoff run. Uh, just really, it was a was a tr- a terrific run. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy eighty percent lean ground beef for three forty nine a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for seventy seven cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I'm there. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're, let's get back to points per drive here. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Just a quick, uh, you know, anecdote about Jerry Gaither. I remember at a Ravens game, they did a quick profile of him. And one of his big passions was uh, he was a chef. He lo- he loved cooking. Hmm. And I remember watching that and I was like, oh, boy, last thing we need is an offensive lineman that likes to cook. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess that could be okay. But, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure it's any any worse than video gaming and, you know, the, the hunchiness that, that kind of goes naturally with that. But anyway, I, I, I'll, uh, I'll leave that alone. Uh I, I met Joe Flacco at a uh, sweetholder event, and I've told the story a few times. And the, the the statute of limitations is over in terms of how long I I kept a lid on this. But he, he, I I I talked to Joe, and, and I talked to him about the offensive line. I said, "Well, how do you think?" I, and he went through each of the offensive line one. I, so yeah, Grubbs and and, and Burke and uh, Yanda, and and uh, I think it was after two thousand nine. Yes, it was after two thousand nine. And, and Michael Orr, and then he came back to Gaither and said, and hopefully Gaither will start to get into it. And it was like one of these comments. It's like, it, 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 yeah, because he'd been a great lineman for two years. He just, he already had that reputation from his teammates of not being a hard worker and not really, um, you know, being yeah. focused on the game. And that, of course, that dogged him at Maryland and, and ended up with him in the supplemental draft and the Ravens getting him cheap, which was nice. Uh, but, uh, yeah. but anyway, it was what it was. He, he had all the talent. He just didn't have that passion for football that you yeah. that you really need to be a great player. Yeah. Now, you're you're a defensive lineman. Did you play some offensive line as well? Okay. I played offensive line in high school, but I was mm-hmm. mostly defensive line. Yeah. Okay. So uh, yeah. just talking about that, how, how many players 
were there. And it's obviously it's going to happen more in the high school level. Let's talk about your college career. You put, you played defensive line at Howard, played with Marcus Douglas. We've had this on in the previous shows. How many players on on the defensive line just didn't love the game enough to ever be particularly good at it at the college level, let alone you know going to the next level? So you when at the level I played, it was one double A, um, mm-hmm. and there were definitely a good number of players that were just there just because they were good enough to play football, get a scholarship. All right. So let's get back to points per drive here for, for a while. And other thoughts in terms of, of uh, the Ravens' evolution as a defensive and offensive points per drive team? Because a defensive points per drive also an important statistic, and the Ravens have historically always been very good in that category. Yeah, they've always been very good. I think they'll continue to be good, very good. This is, I think they're coming in with a very good defense as well. Um, obviously, you know, they have to kind of figure out the cornerback situation, what to do with Kyle Hamilton, whether to leave him at slot or kind of make him a, a queen of the chessboard, just move him all over the place and wreak havoc, um, you know, figuring that out. Um, but yeah, I think they're of a very good defense. And what, what do you want to see yeah. there with Hamilton? Do you do you want to see him stay at slot corner, or would you rather see uh, him be um, a, a pure strong safety, or a or something else that's in between? Um, I I like to see him kind of move between slot corner and possibly the uh, linebacker and the nickel defense. Um, his size over the middle of the field, um, having quarterbacks have to throw over him around him with his you know him being so tall and having a large wingspan a a tip ball and a slight overthrow of a receiver can result in a tip ball that you know you have marcus williams back there to you know catch any overthrows things like that um that's where i really like uh hamilton especially you know in zone coverage i think he's perfect for that linebacker slack corner position Okay, so to me, that's really two different positions. Slot corner is really what he played last year. He didn't really play that dime uh, linebacker. So just to be clear here, folks, and we've talked about this on the show before, but the dime, as the way I think of it, replaces the will linebacker on uh, third down most typically. So if you're making one change from nickel to dime, you take out your will linebacker, you insert a dime back. Am I from your earlier comment? Did you mean that he would play slot on early downs, then replace your will linebacker on third down, while somebody else, a faster, better coverage slot, maybe better man coverage slot, would go in there on third down? Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, that's. I wish the Ravens had that guy because <laughs> I, I haven't <laughs> felt like they've had him the last couple of years. We're talking about yeah. about Brandon Stevens moving back to uh, to play more safety, so I'll be interested to see how yeah. that works. Um, I'm, I don't know if I love that much, but I, I guess we'll see. Um, I'm 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 hoping Pepe steps up, or maybe even um, they either or maybe even uh, resign Peters and move Marlon inside for you know a portion of that as well. Um, but yeah. It seems like they're degrading somebody with Pepe. If the, the ideal situation is Pepe finds unfound stardom from last year and is a is a good player. That would be just terrifically valuable. But if if they have to move Marlin inside, to me, I, I know it might be the best answer at slot, but it also takes away value from Marlin. 
I can't tell yet if they've really taken away value from Hamilton playing him in the slot. Yes, that's interesting. I, I, and I kind of wonder the same thing as well. Um, mm-hmm. When they drafted him, all I saw was a perfect dime back, um, mm-hmm. dime dime linebacker, mm-hmm. like just just that size and length, and you know he has great instincts. He has he reads the quarterback really well. I mean, tip balls, interceptions. Uh, that's all I saw from him all all year, and he and he and he did some of that at, at slot corner. Um, if I just think maybe his perfect position is you know that dime back, but we'll see. Yeah. If it, one of the issues is that if you move a guy to dime back, you cut his snaps by two thirds. If he's, if he's, if he's playing slot corner, he plays essentially every snap in the NFL because 11 personnel is so prevalent. And even if they use 12, they're happy to have him on the field for that. You know, if, if you've got a expectation of a split tight end, it's, that's a good coverage situation for Hamilton. So you wouldn't take him out for that. But if if you're if you're only going to play thirty percent dime or twenty eight percent or whatever it is, I mean you're essentially taking away two thirds of the guy's snap if you make him into a dime linebacker only. So that's okay with if you've got Anthony Levine or uh, maybe Stone, you want to play a third of the snaps or whatever, or, or some other guys who are specialists who aren't generally good. Hamilton's a first round draft pick. He's a he's a generally great football player. I want to have him on the field every every down. I just don't know where. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I think probably start out strong safety in kind of your base, your base defense. Maybe even nickel if you find the right nickel back, um, mm-hmm. and then move them to dime in your dime, and you know, get Geno Stone back there. At, mm-hmm. You know, as, as a second safety, or you know, mix and move, and you know, mix and match, and you know, just have them all over the place because. You know, confusion of just you knowing where people are lining up every play can help a defense and hurt an offense as well. Yeah, it's a g- great discussion. I'm glad we we're able to go down this rabbit hole for just a minute here. That's actually what they did with Chuck Clark in 2019. Was they used him a, a se- effectively as a sl- yes. as a strong safety slash dime back, and I think that that would make a lot of sense. Could that role work for Geno Stone too? I mean, Geno Stone, I think of being a back end split safety because of the nice. Um, loose bracket characteristics he has to play for the overthrow. Very good center field characteristics back there, even if he's only probably is not the ideal speed for single high. Yeah, like I, I like Geno Stone. Um, I like him more on the back end. I don't, maybe I, I don't envision him as kind of that dime linebacker position, but I love him on the back end um, and cover two, maybe even cover one if you're go to blitz Marcus or, you know, do something else tricky like that to fool a defense every once in a while. But yeah, like I, I really love Geno Stone as that deep, deep cover safety. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I just, I don't, maybe, maybe I'm having flashbacks of the Miami game or, or whatever. I just, I don't know if Kyle is that guy um, mm-hmm. to be that back, back in safety, a hundred percent of the time or 90 percent of the time i i just like him more as you know staying in space that being in zone slot mm-hmm. corner dime linebacker i think is you know just where i think he's excellent at all right all right outstanding i see we have very very similar thoughts on this but but i i would agree with wholeheartedly with what you're saying here about the uh 
uh, about Geno Stone being better back in. You mentioned the versatility here. I this is a, a point I really a pet peeve of mine. If you have three strong safeties and you have no free safety, you don't have you don't have no, safety versatility. versatility. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right. If you have three no, free safeties like the Ravens <laughs> might have, or maybe they have two and a half if you're talking about Stone and and you don't know about mm-hmm. Hamilton yet and you have Williams, then you have real safety versatility. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, anything else about points per drive that, you know, obviously the, the, the Ravens significantly improved at certain points in time in terms of points per drive that have been key. One of them was in 2019, they rebuilt the defense on the fly and built a very good points per drive unit for the rest of that season. And I've, I've got to look it up again to see exactly how well they finished that year in terms of points per drive. So the NFL average was 1.89 points per drive. And on defense, looks like Baltimore allowed 1.67 points per drive. And that had to be a lot better after those first four games where they got beaten up pretty badly on defense before they kind of, um, I, to, to, to use an inelegant term, flush the toilet at inside linebacker and, and change their personnel. Right, exactly. Yeah, like yeah. The, the all the changes they made at, at linebacker, was, you know, it it just turned turned the defense around. Um, I mean, it happened. It happened in twenty nineteen with uh, with uh, uh, oh, what's it? with um, L J Ford and mm-hmm. Bynes, and it happened again this year when they got uh, Roquan. It yep. was, I mean, Roquan. I, I absolutely love Roquan. Um, I, I think he's an excellent, excellent uh, linebacker, and I think he, he made the entire defense better. And um, he, you know, it, it it just changed everything. It it really does show, and that is one of the things I want to talk about just very briefly before we sign off here about points per drive. The point is often made that Lamar Jackson makes every player on offense better because he makes their jobs easier. Defense has to defend more space. They have to be more concerned about where things are going. They have to not overplay. They have to stay home. They have to be able to read properly, and that's very difficult. Would it also be fair to say that Jackson had a positive effect on the defense when the Ravens were at the top of their points per drive numbers because that defense was not on the field as often, probably was fresher later in the game? And I guess your thoughts as an ex-defender as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, Lamar makes everybody better, makes the entire roster better. Um, they, it, when, when this offense is really cooking, they're getting off to 10, 14 point leads in the first half, which, you know, he has forces the other team to pass more, not run as much. And when you get a team one dimensional, whether they, they can only run or they can only pass a defense can really just, lick their lips and go after and you know, defend whatever whatever the offense is bringing to them and they, for, forcing the defense to play from behind force i'm sorry forcing the offense to play from behind um putting that pressure on them to score points because you can't stop lamar i mean it, it does nothing but help the defense mm-hmm. in every aspect yeah it's funny in 2019 totally changed the the typical defensive packages the Ravens played always having the lead in the second half. They played the most dime they've ever played over 42% dime for the season that year. 
Um, and they also, they played, this is my favorite stat from that year, is they played something like 10.2% base defense. And they played mm-hmm. 13% race car with four outside linebackers. Mm-hmm. So that, that just gives you an idea of just how crazy yeah. you, you can do in terms of when you get the advantage of having leads and having uh, having Lamar uh, generating lots of offense for you. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, they, they, they played a huge amount of nickel and dime that year. And mm-hmm. I think they, they, I think they approached maybe 50% dime that year. They were, they were right up there. 42. Okay. 42. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. But it's the highest and, ever. The only other time they were close to as high was in 2000 when they were, they played 34 and a half percent dime and quarter between the two of those. They put a little quarter into in 2019 too. But. Yeah. And, and when you consider like, okay, you know, this team's down 14 points, the offense is doing their favor if they run the ball for even five yards because it's just mm-hmm. taking time off the clock and they're not yeah. getting chunk yardage. It's like, go ahead, give them five yards every play. Let them run 10 plays and take eight minutes off the clock. And now they, you know, they're still behind the score or two scores and they can't, and they took 10 minutes off the clock or eight minutes off the clock. Outstanding, Brandon. This was was a good topic. And and like most of the conversations on this show, morphs into something completely different that is also fun. But I really appreciate talking football with you whenever I get the chance. Uh, Tell folks where people can talk to you online. Sure. I'm on Twitter at Brandon Croxton 5. I'm also a season ticket holder. So come see me at Section 106. And yeah, love, love talking football. Love talking Ravens. All right. Outstanding. Other folks out there. If you'd like to, we have several shows that are available to do uh, guest appearances on, but if but love people do that one play, if you have an interest in that, if you want to do one on a specific important statistic or a misunderstood statistic or a statistic that needs some sort of supplement to it. So one of the, one of the interesting ones was passer rating doesn't have any component for sacks. And that's a, that's a big missing hole in passer rating. But anybody who wouldn't take that or another similar topic, Happy to have you on and, and discuss that. Uh, Brandon, thanks again for coming on. Always a pleasure. Yeah, I appreciate it. Love, uh, love having conversations, and it's always fun. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 
Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.